Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Schwinnie Poo, and this is episode 49. 49, we're creeping up on 50 here. Uh, I'm joined by a uh, first-time guest of this pod or any of our pods, I believe. His name is Lucas Kaplan. He writes for Nets Daily. He is crossing enemy lines. Lucas, how are you doing uh, on this rather chilly Thursday afternoon? Yeah, man. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm happy to be crossing enemy lines. I feel like it's an exciting time to talk about the Nets and maybe the Knicks. I mean, after I get your perspective, I'll know for sure. But it's definitely uh, a lot going on over in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, the 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 gift and the curse of the Knicks is that there's, there's always something exciting to talk about. Um, whether those are good things or bad things, that can change uh, depending on uh, what time of the year or schedule or whatever catches you. But um, we'll talk about the Nets. We will talk about the Knicks. But before we get started, I just make a few announcements. The first being Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram. Plus, all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. You can leave us a comment. Uh, the Strickland also has merchandise which I'm wearing some of, um, you can find that on our website at www.thestrick.land. There's a link that'll take you to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with the Prize. You also get access to Takes from Obvious Bozos, our newest podcast, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug along with Zach Blatter. You also get access to our Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to this pod right here, Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave with things even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Moran, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, our newest podcast, which you guessed it, is about the NFL that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, look, before we get started on the Nets or the Knicks, uh, where do you where do you stand on, uh, uh, I guess, I don't, I don't know, what are we calling this, 64-point uh, game game ball bit, uh, gate? Oh. Like, what, 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 where are we call- Like, I kind of get where the Pacers are like, come on, it's not a big deal. And it seems weird. There's not, like, somebody said, like, maybe the ball was actually with the Bucks, and who knows, but I kind of think they handled it poorly. And I do understand, like, whatever – was going on with Giannis. Like, I do, if I were him, I'd be like, no, I want the fucking ball. Like, 
Give me the ball. <laughs> I think I think it's great. I think it's awesome. You know, I think it's the kind of uh, story that we all love, and it comes right after Draymond Green, and this one is much, <laughs> much more in the spirit of the NBA, much more in the spirit of all of our league past sickos where nobody's in physical danger, you know, no punches are being thrown. Yeah. I don't think it was okay. Yeah. This one's just stupid from the jump, and it's great. It's great. I mean, Oscar Shibway scored a point in the in-season tournament, and after all the in-season tournament discourse about whether they should hang a banner or not or whatever, the Lakers, his point doesn't even count, and that leads to all this, which I Did think – he scored in the was, final? He scored in the final. He scored like a garbage time free throw, <laughs> which is the best part of all this because he already scored. <laughs> That's why it's awesome. Not for the record books. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I think it's stupid. Also hilarious because you said no punches were thrown. The Indiana, we got hit with the Woj bomb today. Uh, the Indiana Pacers are signing James Johnson. So, yes. Um, yes. So, uh, you know, no punches were thrown yet is the key word <laughs> yeah. here. Um, although maybe now that James Johnson is signed, there will be no punches thrown for sure. Um, they play yeah. on January 1st is the next meeting. So not even too long. That's like two weeks, two, two weeks and change. Yeah. And I will say like, uh, I don't know, whatever there's like, I, I don't know what Giannis was saying to Halliburton at the end, but um, I did think, look, I appreciate Aaron Nesmith. And I think that it's really cool that he's kind of like, look, he was never, you know, there are guys that when you get drafted to a team like the Celtics, it's hard because they're good. So yeah. getting minutes as a young player is hard to justify because like they're beyond the let's, we still need to add talent and let guys grow phase. They're like in the, no, we're fucking good. We need to win championships phase. And it's hard for a guy like Nesmith who got drafted. I think he was the 14th pick, right? He was the Kings pick. Um, it's hard for a guy like him to carve out a role there, find his footing and, and develop. And he had that problem. I think Romeo Langford's another guy that had, had issues there. Obviously Langford, I think might be out of the league right now, but, but Nesmith has found a home in Indiana. Um, I think it's cool how much of a chip he plays on his shoulder with, but like it, it, it was a bit much yesterday when he's like, he's just like throwing you to the ground, standing over him. And he's like, what did I do? And it's like, come on, you, you know what you did, buddy. Like, we, I'm, you know sure, what you did. <laughs> I'm sure he was, some of that rage was directed internally at his, uh, at his coaching staff for refusing to double or shade over or anything. Like I'm watching the highlights and I'm like, God, oh, this is awesome. And then Giannis gets to like 0.48, and I'm like, really? Like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, nothing. Just letting him play one-on-one. -on -one. So that was – maybe some of it was uh, frustration at the whole situation, but I, I agree. It was uh, – hey, man, and maybe it's a budding rivalry. Who knows? Yeah, and, and like, I, I think, again, like, I, I get it. Like, and, and it's – this is always – I mean, this is the kind of thing – I love how we just started. We're not talking about the Knicks or the Nets. Um, but, like, this is the kind of thing that um, – is like it, this it ties into Draymond in a way where like I'm not saying Nesmith is Draymond obviously right like that's ridiculous but there are guys that need to play on the edge like they've got to play on the edge and if you take that away from them they're not the same player mm -hmm. um it's it's when you get to that point where you're crossing the line in ways that are not only are you crossing the line constantly you're doing it in ways that are egregious right look I, Nesmith hasn't done anything yet where I'm like oh he's well, we got to watch out for this guy. Um, but like he, he was getting real chippy in that Celtics game, and deservedly, he deserves to yeah. feel that way. And, guys, and Giannis brings it out of guys. Yeah, yeah, he does because he he plays really physical. Yeah. Uh, he gets a great whistle. I get it. Like I, I think that, but I think it's interesting. 
just looking at that. And then you now you look at a guy like Draymond, who, you know, for the longest time, Draymond has always been a guy that I think, at least this is how I felt about him, where I'm like, man, I fucking hate Draymond. But if he was on my team, I know I would love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny to see, like, how he's more from that. And this guy who, like, rightfully, you know, like, we all remember when he's sitting on the free throw line, he's yelling at Paul Pierce, basically, to, like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know, you're not Kobe. Like, there's no farewell tour for you. Get out of here. Like, he was right, you know, in that moment. It was like, dude, you're sitting on the bench for the Clippers because you're washed. And Doc Rivers still thinks you're, like, Paul Pierce from the Celtics. <laughs> um, like, but now he's kind of crossed that line so many times, you know, it's like crossing the Rubicon, but he, he's become a character of himself, right? He, he's just, it's kind of, and it's like a weird thing where I understand like the, the kind of like people enjoying the Warriors fans schadenfreude. Um, but it's also just for me, like, and I'm sure you, I mean, I know you, I'm sure you feel this way. Like as somebody who just like loves basketball and whatever you think about Draymond, he's been a super impactful player who in some ways unlocked some of like the best teams we've seen in our, in, in, in recent memory uh, at the very least. And it's kind of just like sad and embarrassing to watch what he is this year. It is. And the thing that has made me realize it, especially when you bring up Anismith, is that NBA players are pretty good at self-policing this sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Like their reputation precedes them guys that continually cross the line it's not hard to figure out who it is based on their standing you know how they're talked about throughout the league like even a couple of years ago with the Draymond discourse after he way after he got suspended in the finals it was still you could feel like NBA players still had respect for him they knew that he was a habitual line stepper but it never felt egregious and just in one year Poole, Sabonis, uh, Rudy, and now Nurkic. he even had the thing. He even had the thing in Memphis, right? The year before they won the championship, he got yeah. suspended in the first game. Yeah, that, like that was a crazy thing. He he walked the line constantly during that NBA Finals. Like I, I thought he could have gotten thrown out a couple of those games. Um, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, yeah, I mean it, it. It just it goes to show you that we we develop like obviously these perceptions of players that tend to be pretty accurate. Uh, over time and I feel like it corresponds with the way they're felt in the league and the thing the way they're regarded in in the league and what you're speaking to is that that league perception is not flipped overnight but it's so kind of crazy when you step back and you think about it and you're like like this is this is where Draymond's at in the league like Nurkic yeah. clowning him and rightfully so Rudy clowning him like they asked KD about it after Nets Suns last night. He, it was like he was like, and I, like I I understood what KD was saying. And look, I, I I love to shit on KD as much as anybody, but like it was kind of insane to hear his answer. And somebody in our Discord said this today, where it was like, dude, he's talking about him like he's a fucking like alcoholic. Like I like, know, <laughs> I know he is. And then you step back and think about it, and you 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 look at the pattern of behavior, and you're like, damn, like. Maybe that it maybe maybe that's the correct reaction. Like maybe it's not over dramatic. Like I feel like this guy maybe does need help. I mean, that 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 if he did this in any other line of work, you know, or any other facet of life, like we would all be saying the same thing. So it uh it feels like a gradual progression of just, oh, of course Draymond's here now. But when you step back and you look at his career over the long run and you think about where he is now, you're like, damn man, it's uh I can't believe we're we're at this point. 
Um, yeah, no, I, it's, I think what's crazy, I don't know, I guess we're just going to talk about the NBA. Um, but like, I think what's crazy is just, it, it's, it, it feels like it's, I don't, I don't even know how to explain this, but I've always felt like it's not just Draymond, but like Draymond has set the tone for that team in a lot of ways. Like Steph has been their best player. I'll always go to the mic. Like I, I, I know that there's always the debate of like Steph, Katie, whatever, but like, to me, it'll always be Steph was the guy and he's been the guy you know, he's won before and after and whatever, but like forgetting that, but I've always felt like Draymond is kind of the, the guy that sets the tone. And there's like a certain energy he brings to the game that, that you need. Uh, I think especially at like those high end, like conference finals, final mm-hmm. series, those competitive, competitive series. Um, but like there, is, there has always been that kind of like, he's always like there, he's always right there on the edge. And it, oh, it's always like it, he like veers off and then somebody's like no 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 come back and mm-hmm. it's like you know he's like steady for a little while and then it's like yeah but now the time that he's able to stay between the straight and narrow is so much more reduced and it it feels like a guy who is so keenly aware that like not only am i not and, and look i know some of the impact stuff with him is always going to be good and whatever but like Look, I challenge anybody to go watch like that Golden State Finals run to the champ their last championship and tell me Draymond's the same guy he was yeah. like, two years before. Like it's a joke when people say that stuff. Um and I just think it's 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 a it's it feels like him very in the most loud ways, but him and Clay, it feels like two guys where it's easy to look at Steph and be like, well, like he's the outlier. He's 35, 36, and he's still playing at Steph level. Yeah. Like as a these, small guard. Right. And, and these guys are actually at the point in their careers that a lot of guys face at the same age stage of their careers, where you're kind of feeling your basketball mortality, right? In Clay's case, he's had two super serious injuries that he bounced back from someone, but he's not been the same player since he came back from those, even during their finals run. Draymond's not been the same guy since I think KD left. I think that was his last great year. Um and it's just really like interesting. Like there's all these think pieces of like, oh, what's like, how, how could they do that? And I do think in a lot of ways that organization has failed Steph. Uh, like the fact that they even won that last championship, I don't know. Like he should have a statue built out for him in real time. Yeah. yeah like like in, like now, like while he's still playing. But this is just how like this is just how it ends. Like this is how it like the Spurs that and even the Spurs that they kind of had a gradual drop off. But once Kawhi was gone, you saw the wheels like kind of fall off there um and and this is just what it is like it's it's not it's not supposed to be easy and it's not supposed to be like oh we planned this out perfectly like now we're back like no it's it's this is what it is it sucks when you talk about dre he stays on track when they're winning and they're just doing less of that now and i think it's hard for him and clay to come to terms with that i mean it really you know, you hear about the Pistons, you hear about these losing franchises, how it's hard to get the stain of losing out. You know, I can only imagine for a guy that's done so much winning when he starts to not only feel his own basketball mortality, but his teams, how that may impact a guy's psyche. And for Draymond and even Clay, it doesn't appear to be going super well, that transition to, oh man, like we, it's not guaranteed. We're not just going to walk to a home court advantage in the playoffs anymore. Yeah, and and I it like I mean a lot of guys have talked about. It. There was that ridiculous quote Trey Young had like a couple of years ago, which is which is a quote that you ex- like kind of understand if it comes from somebody who's 
been in the playoffs and championships forever, right? But like Trey Young had that quote after they made the Eastern Conference Finals. It was like the year after they got to a slow start. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's just so hard to like get dialed up for this right now because we know like what's coming down the line. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like you went to one Eastern Conference Finals. You're talking like, I don't know, like you're LeBron talking about a game in November or something. Um, but yeah, like to your point, and, and I think that's what makes guys like LeBron and Steph and, and KD and whatever is like, you know, whatever you think about them as players and where you rank them and all that stuff. Like these are guys who could easily just wake up in like November and be like, fuck this. I'm not, I'm checked out until like March and then I'll play my way back into it. Mm-hmm. And they're not like, they're into it. Uh, I think these guys, they keep, they, they treat off seasons like they really matter and, and they, they're ready to go. And mm-hmm. I know KD's not been the most durable, but I don't think you can question his, like as far as wanting to play, he wants to play Um, and he always prepares to play. And Steph always prepares to play. And LeBron obviously has always prepared to play. Um, And it's, it's crazy to see that versus like, like you're talking about with Draymond where as soon as kind of like, yeah, we're not walking into 50 win seasons. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. This game against like the Blazers at home really matters. Like we kind of need to bank this win right here. Um, And it's crazy to see how that affects different guys. Yeah, and I think that's the through line with all the greats, you know, getting up, not even having to turn the switch on just because it's always on, you know, that competitiveness, that drive to be great. And I think we can take it for granted because we don't see what's going on behind the scenes. And just to wrap it all up, like the one thing about Giannis that you can't really question is that, you know, for all of his warts or whatever, however you may feel about Giannis, like it's pretty clear that he has that, you know. And it's like, it's like you just take perceived slights and you turn them into motivation, right? Like, like, do I think they cared about the in-season tournament? Sure. I don't, I don't think it like necessarily mattered to them as much as it, obviously it's not the NBA championship, right? Like it, it's a fun tournament. I think people want, and I think it's going to be better as time goes on. And, yeah. be, and I think, you know, it's, it already was successful as far as I'm concerned. Um, but like, like to take, oh, we lost to this team, you know, in, in the semis of the in-season tournament. And it's like, you know, they treated that game last night. Like it was like, this was, you know, fucking game seven of like a conference final series or something. And the funny thing is that the whole beef, not that it was that from the in-season tournament was about Dame really. I mean, it was about Tyrese doing Dame time and like being like, I know what time it is. And like Dame doing the press conference, like you better be humble. Dame wasn't even involved last night. He was like a passive bystander, which was the funniest part of the whole thing. So, yeah, perceived slights. Yeah, uh, it's it's always funny, like, the stories. Like, Michael Jordan, like, made up the story about the guy in Washington. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on from broad NBA stuff. Uh, look, you're here. The Nets are also uh, here in the sense of they are on the NBA landscape, and they are playing very well this year. Uh, definitely punching above expectations at 13 and 10. I believe they have a top five net rating at this moment in time, maybe six, seven, something like that. Um their offense has been spectacularly good, much better than anybody anticipated, I think. Uh, the defense has been solid. It's been picking up, I think, in the last couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess let's rewind to the offseason. Let's rewind, actually, to last year's trade deadline, right? That's when the big changes happen, right? KD goes out. Kyrie goes out. And there was this sense of, like, okay, well, they got good returns, but, like, what – like, how do you, how do they manage this? What's going on here? Um, and I, I think at that time, given kind of how suddenly and spectacularly, at least, 
you know, from the outside looking in, uh, the KD and Kyrie and that Harden team, like how it spectacularly just kind of blew up. It, it felt like, oh my God, they have so much work to do to get back in like the good graces of players and whatever. Right. Um, but I think, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast. I don't know if you listen to him. Trill Bro, dude. He, he did a podcast with somebody who's talking about like how this Nets team, what they did this offseason. He's like, no, this is like what Sean Marks is good at. Like he's good mm-hmm. at like finding guys off the scrap heap and finding good values and, and, you know, getting these dudes that, nobody's like everybody's counting them out and creating a culture and all that stuff. And that is kind of what's happening here. I do think that like this team feels like they're playing together. They've obviously put together a nice season so far. Um, but going back and just looking back at the off season, I mean, I, I know, I think we've talked about this a couple of times, but like, do you now feel like, okay, maybe while there was this weird thing where I, I, I mean, I, genuinely thought it was weird where it was like people were like oh this, the Nets are in this terrible situation because they don't control their own picks and I'm like yeah I don't think it's that bad of a situation like in the sense of I'll be completely honest I did not buy and I still de- don't to be completely fair like oh Mikhail Bridges is like this superstar option whatever like I think he's a really good player and I think he's a probably a championship third option potentially um but like I just, I, I kind of was like, I get why people maybe are down on the current roster makeup, but I didn't understand the whole, like, they're in this terrible position thing. So I'm like, I think they got a lot of shit for KD. They basically got everything they could get for KD. Um, they replenished, the, like, they didn't have surplus picks. Now they have surplus picks. I thought moving off of Kyrie was just like, yeah, dude, like, mm-hmm. look, we can, sit here, yeah, we, we can sit here and clown Sean Marks as much as we want. And trust me, I've done plenty of that. But like, he had to get like at that point it was like just fucking move on get what you can and just like get on with this because this is not tenable anymore um and i think they've done okay and like forgetting the current record and the current team and what you think about that just like how do you now feel about maybe how you felt about the way they were positioned in the offseason to now how you feel about it right i mean at, at his exit interview spencer dinwiddie who's always the logical thinker of the group said yeah well the way i see it you know they pretty much have two options they can they can uh try to load up around us or they can kind of enter a rebuild and then he paused and he was like or you know they got the third option they can kind of stand pat even he like didn't believe that that was an option but the nets front office always did and i think i was a little more cynical about the value of playing you know the seat where the ceiling is like maybe a fifth, sixth seed, the ceiling. But just because they don't control their own picks does not mean that they aren't going to reap the benefits of having enticing draft capital in the future. Like nobody is going to really care that they don't own their picks when they control late decade Suns picks, when they have an unprotected first round Mavs pick in 2027. I mean, Luca might be gone by then, by the way. I know. It's it's really, it's set up for the next, that next, generation of stars i mean i'm not trying to say anything about luca like trey sga whatever i know i'm missing guys and not all those guys are going to ask out but in three years you know you just never know so i i do feel you know good about it long term um i think they didn't i dinwiddie and i kind of had the same mindset were they really going to stand pat and not retool or do anything drastic but i think it proved already to be the smart decision because the boulder the biggest building block of this team is the ben simmons contract that's kind of what everything revolves around 
they're not going to win. They're not going to build a contender when they're paying Ben Simmons $40 million a year. I mean, there were questions about that when he was making all-star teams, you know, and now he, <laughs> and now he can't really stay on the court for extended periods of time, whatever. Whatever you think about Ben Simmons, they're not going to win paying him $40 million. His contract expires at the end of next season. So that is, to me, the window. They don't need to unload draft picks to get off his contract right now. Like, they're not a move need to. Yeah. They're not they're not a move away. They're not a Ben Simmons contract away from building a finals contender. So if they think they're really close next year and there's a star on the market and Ben Simmons isn't expiring, sure. But even if they want to wait another season, that'd be fine. I mean, they're proving that they can build a fun team to watch. The vibes are very good, which is important. And there's no really need to adjust course right now when the picks are down the line. And so is the expiration of Ben Simmons' contract. So it's a waiting game, yes, which NBA fans don't always love. But as long as the vibes are good and, you know, they're going to hopefully appear in the playoffs and, you know, just play an exciting brand of basketball. I mean, it sounds like classic small market talk, if you will. But, you know, that stuff matters. And I think the vibes difference in Brooklyn this year is, is very tangible and it's just a breath of fresh air. And that's not to say, oh, I'd rather have that than a dysfunctional team that can win a title, but it is very real. And it's probably the through line of their season this far. I mean, sometimes you would rather have that though, right? It's like, sometimes you're like, you know what? Like, I don't, I'm so tired of like having to talk myself into Kyrie Irving is fine and totally going to get it together. Um, Like versus just being like, you know what? Give me, Give me 45 and 37 and guys that are going to play hard every night. And I don't have to worry about like, what movie is this guy going to tweet a link out to today? Um, I think, but, I think we, under, I think me with this team, I underrated depth because right. You go through the playoffs, you go through the yeah, finals. Yeah. You're talking about the top seven, top eight guys. You're like, Oh, well, Denver's six man, like this starting lineup. That's why they won the title. And you're like, okay, well, it's July and it's August and we're signing guys and it's free agency. Like, what is our top six, seven, eight? And then you get to the regular season and you're like, oh, yeah, like your 10th guy like swings a couple of games and like your 11th guy, you know? And and the, the Nets, Nets always have like three guys. Every time I see like the Nets uh, injury list pop up on my timeline, I'm like, oh, he's out right now? Interesting. Yeah. Like, and, the yeah. Nets always have like four guys out that I'm like, oh, okay, that's – I had no, I mean, I had no clue. Even yesterday against the Suns, they were missing their their top two bench guards. They were missing Dennis Smith Jr. and Lonnie Walker, who have both had pretty good seasons. I mean, Lonnie's yeah, been like yeah. Lonnie's per been minute. Good. Yeah. The top like 20 score in the NBA per minute. But they bring uh, they bring off the bench, they bring Trendon Watford, Royce, and Dorian, and they're all plus nine, plus ten, plus eleven. Now, like some of that was Devin Booker was off the court when they were on the court, which had just as much to do with it. But it's like Trenton Watford is vastly outplaying like Nasir Little and Archie Goodwin, guys that I like on the Suns. But that stuff swings NBA games in December. And when you have like 12, 13 good NBA players, I mean, it makes the team fun to watch and it and it leads to wins. And I think in the wake of watching the playoffs going into free agency, I underestimated that. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of I, I myself included, like I definitely did. Um I I hundred, I, I mean, I know I did. Um, and I, I'm not alone, obviously, like you just said, but like, it's, it's very, it's one of those things. And I honestly, I will say this, like, I think even now, uh, watching the Knicks, I think, 
I think if there's a kind of a mistake, yeah, a mistake is fair to say, or uh, a miscalculation that they have made um, in terms of like building out this year's roster, it's probably that they were like, well, we have our nine guys and, you know, the, uh, you know, and we have Deuce and we have Jericho Sims, but like, you know, we don't want to bring in uh, actual guys like NBA players at 12, 13, 14, 15, because they're never going to play. And it's like, that's just not how it works. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you should have taken a flyer on a guy like Trenton Watford or Nazir, well, like, whatever. I know Nazir Little obviously was not available to them, but like, you know, that, that I think is always um, an interesting thing. And, and it's a hard thing to negotiate because you don't want, you also at the same time don't want to bring in somebody who's like, yeah, sure. He's on a veteran minimum, but like, is he somebody that understands and is cool with, Hey, like you're not going to play 65% of the time. Are you cool yeah. with that? Are you going to be fine in the locker room with that? Are you accepting of that? And then when you get your chance, maybe then you can earn your minutes, but you're not going to get your chance to start it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's always a tough thing for not just the Knicks or the Nets, but all front offices to, to manage and negotiate um, to go back to what you were talking about in terms of like Nets depth versus what you need for a championship team. Right. Um, like, do, do you think that in some ways, I'm pretty curious, pretty curious about this. Um, do you like, do you get the sense? Cause I know you're at games quite a bit. Like, do you get the sense from being there and just talking to people around the organization that they're almost like, thank God this whole thing that we were trying to like, it felt like every week you were trying to like keep this thing together with KD and Kyrie and Harden and all the stuff that was going on there. Do you get the sense that they're almost like, you know, maybe, maybe this is better, and maybe this is better for right now. Um, will we want to go back into the star chasing game? Sure, but do you get the sense that maybe they're like, this actually was the right move for us because what we were trying to salvage was probably just not salvageable.